Good morning. We are the Suderman family. I'm Dawson. This is my wife, Carly, and our little daughter, Hazel. Uh, we're reading from Matthew 7, 13 to 14. Enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Well, thank you, Suderman family, and good morning to you again. So if you haven't already turned there, grab a Bible and turn to Matthew chapter 7, verse 13 to 14. Today we are back in our teaching series that we're calling This or That. It's a series about the kingdom of God, and it's about what does it look like? What does it mean to be a person of the kingdom, someone who aligns their life with Jesus, the king, and chooses to live in his way of the kingdom in this world? And the hope and the aim in all of this is that we would become people who actively choose the kingdom of God. Jesus, that we would choose that way, and that not just that, but we would actually carry the vision of the kingdom for this world that Jesus has into the everyday spheres of our lives, in this city and beyond, and in our families, and in all the places we inhabit, that we would choose the kingdom way of Jesus, and we would carry his kingdom vision into the world around us. And that we would join Jesus in his cause to pull heaven down to earth in greater ways. That's what this series is about. That's where our focus is aimed at over the next month or so. And today, we are continuing back in the Gospel of Matthew. It's a story written by one of Jesus' followers about the life of Jesus. And it's a story that begins with a king and a kingdom. If you go back to the first verse of chapter 1 in Matthew, we meet the king. Matthew writes this to start his gospel. He says, this is the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah, the son of David, the son of Abraham. And so right away we are meeting King Jesus, that Matthew identifies Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah of God's people, the one that God said he would send one day to be king over his people Israel and over the entire world and bring a blessing of a life with God to all people and to all nations and so right away we see this king and Matthew says that with the arrival of this king, a new day has dawned in history. That history's decisive moment has arrived in Jesus. God's presence and God's power is being unleashed in the world in a new way. And we talked about last week that this is like a new Genesis moment for the world. The first book of the Bible, Genesis, talks about how God creates the world. Matthew is saying that the arrival of King Jesus into the world is like a Genesis moment. God is working out new things in the person of Jesus. And what he's doing is going to affect all people and all nations and history itself. This is the starting point from the story that Matthew is telling. And then as you continue on from the uh, genealogy and family line of Jesus to the birth and the infancy of Jesus to his cousin John who prepared the way for Jesus, who God used to start a movement calling people back to God to the moment when John baptized Jesus. And the Spirit of God came from heaven and fell on Jesus. And God the Father spoke over Jesus words of affirmation. And then when Jesus is led into the wilderness to do battle against Satan and he wins that battle, all of it is telling us that the king is here. And something new 
is breaking out in the world. And we get to Matthew 4.17, where all of this that God is doing in the world is summed up when Jesus says these words and launches his kingdom movement. He says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is the sound of hope bursting into the world. It's the sound of light piercing the darkness. It's an announcement that God is on the move in Jesus and setting up his rule and reign on earth, that in Jesus, heaven has begun to invade earth and make its home here. And so Jesus, he launches his kingdom movement saying the rule of God and the reality of heaven on earth is now able to be experienced in new and in powerful ways by anybody who wants it. And he casts in that moment this kingdom vision for the world and for his followers, a vision of a kingdom people who commit themselves to live with God and one another in a way that embodies and makes visible the kingdom of heaven on earth. This is the kingdom vision of Jesus that he wants his followers to take up and align their lives with and then carry it out into the world and make it visible through how they live their lives. From everything after chapter 4, verse 17, Jesus in some way, shape, or form, in his preaching, in his teaching, in the miracles he does, the healings that he does, the way he treats people, all of it in some way, shape, or form embodies the kingdom of heaven and is an invitation to walk in his ways. And so in Matthew 5 to 7, we find Jesus on a mountainside. He's teaching people who have responded to his kingdom invitation. And he's telling them this is what the kingdom of heaven is about. And in doing so, he's casting a vision for a new way of living and being in the world. And the question that's hanging all the way through is, will you lay down your vision that you have for your life to take up the vision of Jesus? And the question is, what will you do with that choice? Will you choose this or that? And in our passage, this becomes very clear as Jesus puts two options and two ways of living and being in the world before us, saying these words, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, and only a few find it. Now, I don't know about you, but you probably, like me, had a vision for your life when you grew up. You had a a picture in your mind of what you wanted to be and what you wanted to do when you grew up. For me, the vision I had in my life came because I remember spending time with my dad watching Canucks games on TV, and I remember being fascinated by it, and I said to my dad, and I said to myself, I want to be one of those players on TV. I want to be a hockey player. That was the dream that I had for my life, the vision of the life that I was going to live, is I wanted to play hockey in the NHL. And that shaped how I made my choices and the way I spent my time and the things that I did. It drove my life for 20 years. And it wasn't until I got into college that I actually was confronted with the reality that there might be another dream for me. There might be another vision that someone else has for my life. And it hit me at 19 years old. I was in this class, and they were making us kind of, and I probably, I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. They make us, as student athletes, I was down in the States playing Division I college hockey, and they make us take this course to discern, like, hey, you're not just here to play hockey, but you have to learn, like, stay eligible. And you actually have to be working towards a degree. So here's an assessment that's going to help you figure out how you're wired and what degrees, vocations, and jobs you might be uh, 
might be good for you. And so I remember getting this big printout and had all these names on it. And I remember like laughing with a friend of mine and pointing to one of them and saying, like, I will never do that. I think, I think the words I used was that that's stupid. But the only one laughing that day was God because you know what that was? It was pastor. <laughs> yeah. And I only realized that years later in reflection that, that this was the first time that God or I became aware of the fact that, you, that God could have a different dream for my life than the one I had for myself. It was the first time that I had another dream put before me. I just didn't know it yet because it took another six years after that moment for me to meet God and to receive his dream for my life, which looked a lot different. It was like, hey, I want you to know me, and I want you to love me and follow me, and I want you to help other people encounter me and experience life in the name of my son by serving me in the church. That was God's dream for my life. And when that happened, it was a this or that moment for me because I could have said, hey, I don't want that dream. I want to continue pursuing the one I'm, I'm after because you know what? I got close. I got very close. But the question I had was, will, God said, Dave, will you lay down the vision you've had since you were six and you've worked so hard for to take up my vision for your life? And obviously I chose God's vision. Otherwise I wouldn't be standing here today but the point is, is that moments like these come in the small everyday stuff of our lives and in those big impact your life kind of moments. And as we said last week, what you choose in those this or that moments shapes who you become and the life that you end up living. And so they're important moments. And Jesus makes this clear in his teaching. He puts two options on the table for us and says, no, you have to choose. Choose between the broad road and the narrow road. The broad way and the narrow way. Both are similar. Both offer you a way of living and being in the world, Jesus says. But choose based on what I'm going to tell you about these two ways. And if you look at the two ways that Jesus lays before us, they're very similar. See, both have a gate that you must enter, to, enter through in order to get on a road that leads you somewhere. So there are similarities between these two ways of living and being in the world, but the big difference is in the destination and the nature of the gate and the road that gets you there. So they're similar, yet they're very, very different. And Jesus' point is that there are two ways that you can live in the world. One is the way of the kingdom and one isn't. And he makes it very clear which is the kingdom way when he says, enter through the narrow gate. Now that word enter is interesting. It's in the imperative mood in the Greek, which means that Jesus is making a command. He's not suggesting. He's not saying, do this if you feel like it. Do this on a good day. When, when everything's working together, choose this. Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to be a kingdom person, if you want to live the life of kingdom of heaven here and now, then you are going to choose this way. Find the small gate, enter through it, and then walk the narrow road that leads to life. Jesus is saying, choose this way, which is much different than the other way. The other option on the table is the broad way. Here you go through a wide gate that leads you onto a roomy and spacious road, and one of its defining marks is that it's really, really popular. That a lot of people find themselves on this way. A lot of people choose this way because it's easier to find, and it doesn't demand as much from you as the narrow way, as we're going to see in a moment. So at first glance, does anyone want to choose the narrow way? It's the more difficult way. No one wants to choose it. 
It's harder. It requires more of you. It's not as popular because it goes against the grain and the current of culture and the crowd. And so why, why would anyone want to choose the narrow way? Why would anyone want to choose the narrow way of the kingdom? Well, Jesus says it because it's the way that actually leads to life. And life here is not life in the physical sense. We're not, Jesus is not talking about the life that we all receive when we're born and we begin living in the world, the natural earthly life that we all have. He's talking about a very specific kind of life, a deeper, a richer, more satisfying life that we can only find in God and that the Bible calls eternal life. This is the life that Jesus is talking about here. It's the endless life of God being experienced by those who follow him. And here's the thing. This life is something only Jesus has to give away. It's one that he has alone. And and what we need to start seeing that when we talk about life in this way, that life is not a thing. It's not an idea. It's not a philosophy. it's It's not something abstract. Life in the Bible is a person, and that person is named Jesus. That Jesus is actually life. If you go to another one of the stories about Jesus called John, in the opening chapter, John writes these amazing words about Jesus. He says Jesus is God, that he is eternal, that he's always existed, that there's never been a time where Jesus has not been. He says that Jesus is the one that God created the world through that everything was made by him and he holds it all together by his power. And then he writes that in him, in Jesus, is life. In Jesus is life. In other words, Jesus is life. He is life itself. Life is found in him. And just a few chapters later, John is going to say that whoever believes in Jesus receives his life. Whoever believes in Jesus gets the life of heaven, gets the life of God, the endless, beautiful quality of a life with God, the very life of God. You get to have that. The life that you're going to experience in the future in full, you can actually experience that life here and now. That is what John has been teaching in his gospel. Life is found in Jesus. Whoever believes in him receives his life. And so back in Matthew 7, When Jesus says life, he's talking about the very life of God living and breathing and pulsing in his people, the endless life of God. For those who know and follow Jesus, faith gets us Jesus and this life. Lives in us by the Holy Spirit. And by choosing the narrow way, Jesus says we're going to experience the life of heaven. And Jesus says, take hold of this life. Choose this way. Actively make a decision each and every day to choose to find life on the narrow way. Because it's the way of the kingdom. It's the the life that you're looking for. Wherever you're looking for it, the life that you were created for, but we all lost in a place called Eden, is found in Jesus and in his way. And what I love about Jesus is that he does not force us to take this way. Jesus always gives us a choice. Yeah, he desires, his deep desires that every one of his people, that all people would choose his way and to live a life with him in his kingdom because he knows that it's the way that leads to life and he wants that for you. He wants you to experience life. That's what you were made for, life with him. So he says, enter this way, choose the narrow way of the kingdom. But before he does that, Or after he does that, he puts the other way beside us, before us. He says, okay, well, here's the narrow narrow way. Enter through this narrow gate, 
For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction, and many enter through it. So it's fascinating how Jesus teaches about this. He sets two ways side by side. He, he compares the size of the gates, the size of the road, and the destination that each road leads to, which we can notice with the surface reading of it. But what's not immediately noticeable is the number of people on each road and how they arrive there. And this is a really interesting way that Jesus teaches about these two ways. Both reveal something very important I think Jesus wants us to see. So let's look first at the number of people. Notice that many enter through the wide gate and walk the broad way. Many is like a large crowd, a multitude of people. So get in your mind like a big group of people are choosing this way. This is by far the more popular way than the narrow way. And part of the reason is that this way is easier and it's more comfortable compared to the narrow way. See, the narrow way, it actually brings resistance. The narrow way, you have to search for the gate. You have to discover it. You have to enter through it with a choice. And in that way, there's actually external forces. If you, if you study this, there's external forces that press in on you and those who walk it. So the picture is of grapes being, being like pressure being put on grapes to the point of almost bursting. That's the picture of, of, of walking in the narrow way. It's someone being exposed to fire so that something beautiful will come out of it. And Jesus is clear that this narrow way is, is, is more difficult. And it's actually going to ask more of you than you will want. And the broad way, though, well, doesn't ask much from you at all. In fact, one of its main characteristics is that you arrive on this road without much thought or awareness because you either don't know there's another road you can take or you've just been swept up in the current of the crowd and the currents of culture and you find yourself there waking up one day going, oh, hey, I'm on this broad road. You're going, the person on the broad road, Jesus is describing someone who is just going with the flow. They're living like they're on autopilot. And he draws out this idea when he uses the word enter in this for the second time. If you're okay with it, I want to nerd out for just 15, 20 seconds, okay? Because it's really interesting. Twice Jesus uses the word enter. The first, as we've already talked about, is a command. It involves making a decision and then acting on it. Having an intentionality with your life and how you live. But in the second use of enter, the, the mood and the tense change to passive, which means you're just being swept along. You're drifting along. You're just being pulled in the direction that maybe you don't even want to go, but you're not paying attention enough. The person or thing being described, in this case, the someone at the crossroads with a choice before them, like you and me. They might be on the wrong road because outside forces are influencing you and leading you in this direction. So Jesus is describing the kind of person who gets caught up in the crowd and is content to just be carried along with them without considering where it leads. And so think of it like this. One of the places my family and I love to go in the summer month is the water park at Aldergrove. It's awesome. It's so much fun. It's much cheaper than cultists. That's a win. And then also for an introvert, they give you a two-hour time slot. So you go really, really hard for two hours with your boys, and then you can go home and have a nap. It's a great, it's a great deal. So we like to go there, and every single time we go there, you know what one of the most popular places in the whole water park is? The Lazy River. You know the Lazy River, right? You get all these tubes, and you can jump on a tube, or you can just like put your arm out, and the current just takes you. And you don't even have to work for it. All you do is you just lay there and just allow yourself to be taken along with the current. There's a bunch of people around you, and maybe you bump into them, and that's awkward, but you just keep going. 
And you just float and float and let the water take you wherever it will. It is always one of the most popular places at the water park. The broad way is like the lazy river. It's popular because it requires little effort. It's full of people who are content to just be carried along wherever the current takes them. And what's so scary about this is that most of the time people on this road have not even considered or unaware of where that road is actually leading them, which Jesus says is destruction. By this he means at the end of this road is a damaged soul and a life that looks nothing like the life God created you to have and to enjoy. This way, Jesus says, leads to a place where God and his life is absent. So, a place of death. Death in, in this life and potentially in the life to come. And so when we choose to walk this way, either by our own choice or our lack of awareness, Jesus is saying is that we are actually walking in the way that leads away from him and leads away from life. We're walking to a place of death. And sadly, there are so many people on this road that are just content to go wherever the crowd takes them, which is not just a commentary on the people who do not follow Jesus yet. It's also a commentary on the people that do. It's not just the people who don't follow Jesus yet. It's also a commentary about the people that do. See, some people end up here because they do not know that there is a better way to live their life. They're not aware that there is an offer of life in Jesus, and so they end up there. But some people know this. They've heard this news. They've experienced life in Jesus. But for whatever reason, they are on this road and they're living their life of faith on autopilot like they're floating down the lazy river and you're just going with the flow. And you have to ask, why does this happen to both groups of people? Well, one reason is that we live in a culture of comfort that places a high value on your comfort and convenience. And as humans, we're going to naturally gravitate to what's comfortable. There's not many of us who would go looking for the discomfort. We would most naturally choose the way of comfort. And because so much of modern life is set up for your comfort, it makes discomfort something that we don't deal well with. Something we want to avoid and limit in our lives. So just think about it for a second. Who really goes to the grocery store every single time they need groceries? Oh, maybe I made some people mad. We don't go to the grocery store as much. Why? Because you can actually order your groceries and have them arrive right on your doorstep, which we do every single week, so I'm not throwing stones. It's convenient. Just click a phone on, uh, button on your phone or computer and the food comes. It's great. Or when we need a gift or something for our house, forget going to the store. Amazon's got your back. You can just go and you can find anything, like literally anything, on Amazon and oh yeah, they have same-day delivery so that the moment you click that button, it's going to arrive the same day and we get all squirrely when it doesn't because it's not convenient for us and it stretches us. Don't have a car and need a ride? Well, you know, the, the bus is kind of inconvenient and maybe you have to stand the whole time and maybe you have to sit by someone who smells a little bit. So what do you do? You call a cab or you get an Uber because they'll pick you up when you want and go directly to the place you want, and they will drop you off. See, don't get me wrong. I, I can't imagine living in a culture without some of these things. Like, like I said, we get groceries delivered to our doorstep every week because we have two young boys, and it's just an easier way of life for us. 
So no, this is not all bad, but here's the rub. Here's the rub. This kind of culture forms you. And it forms you, if you're not careful, into someone who prizes comfort and convenience over costly discipleship to Jesus. And people who resist any kind of discomfort. And so we can't escape this. Every day we swim in the waters of this culture and its strategy is to get you to buy and consume as much as possible. Everything from online content, news, clothes, trips, lifestyles, cars, houses. The goal is to get you to consume as much as you can in the most convenient way possible. And when you live in that environment, it shapes you and it forms you in a specific way if you're not careful. So I read this article recently and how there's this connection between this consumeristic culture we live in and our comfort. The author writes, consumerism is so much more than an advertising strategy. It's a worldview that fundamentally alters the way we approach our bodies, our relationships, our mental health, and our religion. So a culture of consumerism and comfort go hand in hand, and because they do, and because we can't escape it, we are being subtly formed to believe that comfort is more important than costly discipleship to Jesus. Whether you're inside or outside the church, this is forming how you live, how you think, how you respond to discomfort or hardship, how you practice your faith, and it even affects how we do church. See, David Wells, writing about this, says, all consumers, we need to remember, are sovereign. And the consuming impulse, once it enters the church, makes individual preferences the deciding factor, the driving factor in what the church becomes. And so what happens when a church... uh, receives this and it lives and starts to breathe there, well, he goes on to say they lift demands and expectations, making Christianity light and easy. So this is what happens. And you know what? Can I just tell you? This is on the church and it's on its leaders. It's not on you. It's on us. We've turned the beautiful life of costly discipleship to Jesus into something that's light and easy and doesn't call you to anything. Instead of a message that says, take up your cross and follow Jesus in his kingdom way, the message has become, come and consume, receive Christianity light. So it's no wonder the church is not producing resilient disciples. It's no wonder the church is not producing people who walk the narrow way of the kingdom and who make visible the kingdom with their life. And look, can I just tell you, I get the tension. Like for me, there is nothing better than knowing, loving, and following Jesus. He's the best thing in my life by a mile. If I could just get really honest with you, some days I do not want to choose the way of Jesus. Some days I don't. Some days the broad road seems way better to me. It's like when life gets hard and I'm overwhelmed, which has happened a lot recently, on those days the broad road starts to look really good. It seems more attractive because it's easier. It's more comfortable. It doesn't ask as much of me. As much as I love Jesus, there are some days where I just don't want to choose his way. And yet he says, choose the narrow way. Make a choice today to walk it. Because nobody drifts into the kingdom way by accident. It's chosen. And it's chosen daily. So you can't live this life on autopilot if you want to live in the way of Jesus. Not fully, not completely. If you want the life Jesus is talking about, then you can't live it on autopilot. You must be intentional. You must decide to walk it every day, knowing that it's not going to be as comfortable and convenient as the other ways you could choose to live. See, to follow Jesus, to be a person of the kingdom, means you choose the narrow way. 
And you know that the way that Jesus described this way is, is by the picture of a cross. In Matthew 16, Jesus says to be a kingdom person means you live a cruciform life. It's the way of dying to self. It's a way of sacrifice and surrender and difficulty. It's where you get pressed by forces outside of you that make this way harder, but it happens and God allows it to happen at some points to form you into the image of Jesus, into the kind of kingdom person who lives the life of heaven on earth and so join Jesus in his cause to bring it down to earth. That's what Jesus pictures for his people. And I'll just be really honest with you because Jesus is, is that when I think about this, I'm confronted by the fact that I want the life of heaven, but I just sometimes don't want to live heaven's ways. I want the formation into the image of Jesus. I just don't want the fire. So how do you actively choose the narrow way of the kingdom of heaven? How do you face it? Well, Jesus gives us a couple ways. The first is this, is that if you want to enter into and experience the kingdom of heaven, if you want to walk the narrow way that leads to life, then you have to think about where the road is leading you. See, both roads have a destination. Both ways lead somewhere. One leads to life, the other leads to death. And Jesus, I think, he wants us to fix that in our minds, to start looking at the road that we're on and the way that we're choosing to walk from the perspective of the end to change our perspective, to see things through the lens of eternity, to see things to where this road is leading us. And so then when you do that, guess what? Suddenly the, the broad road and the appeal factor of it starts to change. And we don't think this way because too often we're so focused on our immediate. We're so distracted and we're just living our lives and we're not thinking about where our steps today are taking us tomorrow. And Jesus is saying, hey, look, I think you need to start thinking about the destination. I think you need to start thinking about where the steps you take today are leading you down the road tomorrow. And he lays it out so clearly, and he wants you and I to think that the road we're, the road we're on, he wants us to think about the road we're on, and the reality that the road you choose will determine the destination you arrive at. And the destination, according to Jesus, is one of life or death. And so he says, consider carefully the road you choose. That's the first thing. The second thing is, think like a Navy SEAL. I'm fascinated by the Navy SEALs. They're the special, elite special ops military branch in the Navy. They go into some of the most dangerous uh, combat situations and do some of the most yeah, classified missions. And I'm just fascinated by how do you form a team to do that? How do you form a people to go do that kind of stuff and lean on each other and support each other? And one of the things I've learned is that one of their mottos is you have to learn to get comfortable being uncomfortable. That you have to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and push your limits. I think Jesus is calling us to the same thing. As kingdom people, we need to become comfortable being uncomfortable. That at least some of the reason we don't choose the narrow way is because it makes us uncomfortable. It's harder. It, it makes us experience discomfort. But Jesus is saying that to be a person of the kingdom, you choose this way even if it's more costly and it calls more out of you than you would like to give. And so we have to become as kingdom people more comfortable making the harder choice. To take the way that isn't as popular, it might be confusing to your friends. Because those are the places where God seems to do his greatest work of transformation and those are the places Jesus said will lead you to experience the life of heaven here on earth. And so kingdom people get more comfortable being uncomfortable and more uncomfortable with any way that doesn't lead to Jesus.
which leads me to my final piece. As you go through life, constantly check your GPS. See, when you live on autopilot, which happens to all of us, we can end up in places we never imagined we'd arrive at. Like how many of us have been driving and our GPS goes out and we have no idea where we are? Like we're relying, like, like I'm talking to myself, like you're relying fully and completely on this piece of technology to tell you how to get from point A to point B. And Jesus says that sometimes we can get lost along the way and so what we need to do is we need to check our GPS. We must get good at checking it, which means stopping and considering the road you're on. And so let me ask you, which road are you on today? Do you like where it's taking you? Do you like the person you're becoming? And will this way lead me to the kingdom places defined by Jesus or not? And so what we need to do is to reorient ourselves sometimes. And you can do that in different ways. You can do that by praying, asking Jesus, hey Jesus, like, am I on the right way? And what's the right way in this moment? You can look to the Bible because it's laid out here. Like, this is the will of God. Here's how you can live the kingdom life. You can talk to trusted people in your life who will speak truth into your life when you're on the wrong way and cheer you on when you are on the right way. But I think, as we saw last week, is that Jesus says, reorient with repentance, which is the kingdom practice for kingdom people. Repentance, reconsider your way of life. That's what it means. It's a change of mind and heart and direction that results in a changed life. Repentance is looking at the options on the table and choosing the one that is aligned with Jesus and his way and turning from any other way to that way. And the result of this is that you become a new person with new desires who live a life of heaven in this world and who grows to want to choose the kingdom way. So if you want to enter and enjoy life of the kingdom, you must repent If you want to know Jesus and experience the life of the kingdom, you must repent. If you want to walk the narrow way of the kingdom, you must reorient yourself constantly by practicing repentance. So yes, this is harder. But what I want you to see is that Jesus taught just a little bit later, promising that he'd be with you on the narrow way. In Matthew 11.30, Jesus says, My yoke is easy and my burden is light. Meaning that Jesus promises to walk the narrow way with you when you choose it. He says, if you put yourself into the yoke that you put on animals that pull a cart, I'll be right beside you pulling with you. I'll give you the strength. I'll give you the grace. I'll give you the mercy that you need to choose this way and to live it. So this means that you and I have what we need to live the life of the kingdom. God has given it to us. And so as we end, I have two questions. Which road am I currently on? Ask yourself, as we end in response time now, ask yourself, which road am I currently on? And secondly, if according to Jesus I'm on the wrong road, what does turning back and committing to walk the narrow way of the kingdom look like for me today? See, now is the time to respond. So as we sing, reflect on the road you're on. And if God tugs at your heart today and he says, hey, you are not on the right road in this area of your life. This is the time to respond for the first time or once again. And we're going to sing a song. It's a beautiful song. It's an oldie, but it's been renewed and re-released. And We want you to just sit and reflect as we sing this song. And then there's going to be a point in the song where it's just going to be open worship space time. But anytime you feel like you want to come forward as an act, a physical act of saying, God, I want to choose your way. Jesus, I want to walk the narrow way. I choose your way. You can do that. And I believe that when we take that act of surrender, Jesus shows up and gives you what you need to live the narrow way of the kingdom and become a person of the kingdom. Let's pray. Jesus, I'm grateful for you.
Forgive me for the ways that I walk in the broad road. Forgive me for the ways that I've chosen it and will choose it in the future. I choose you, Jesus. I choose to walk your way even if it's harder. And I pray that this this community of people would be formed into people who desire you above all, King Jesus, and desire to live the life of heaven here on earth. And so whatever that looks like in this room, Holy Spirit, reveal that and teach us and lead us to reorient ourselves to the King and his kingdom today. In Jesus' name.